A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are. Good morning. Roto experts. To the end zone. The mark of fantasy excellence. You have to be careful about who you think is stepping forward on the depth chart. It's caught for a touchdown. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Hello and welcome back to the Roto Experts Daily Podcast for today. It is February 12th, 2019, and everybody very excited because fantasy baseball is starting up again. Major League Baseball is here. And are you at the game? Do you just got a gut feeling? No problem. Now you can bet from anywhere, anytime with the all-new MyBookie mobile betting platform. With the MyBookie mobile platform, you'll enjoy the safety and convenience of at-home betting when you're on the go. Try it out today, and you'll never miss another winning bet. Head on over to MyBookie.ag and open an account with the promo code FNTSY, and MyBookie will match your deposit up to $1,000. Yes, that's right, $1,000. That's MyBookie.ag, promo code FNTSY, MyBookie.ag. Promo code FNTSY. I am Scott Engel, the managing director of RotoExperts.com. I am the king. I am fantasy. Uh, Going to be talking a lot more fantasy baseball this week. I actually have a mock draft tonight with our friends over at RotoBaller at 8 p.m. Eastern. Looking forward to that. Uh, my first mock draft of the season. And, uh, of course, Tout Wars coming up on the, uh, the weekend of March 17th. We'll be preparing for that as uh, I try to get my best finish, finish in the mixed auction. Yet uh, the most highly competitive, highly decorated fantasy baseball leagues in the country. Not a lot of baseball news out there yet, but uh, I'm, I'm really expecting some cleats to drop here in the next few days. Uh, published reports from SNY indicating that the Yankees are continuing to check in on Manny Machado, but uh, there's nothing imminent. Seems like the Phillies and the White Sox are still the front runners here, but I don't know what's going on here. It's uh, you know here we are starting spring training, and two of the biggest names in the game, Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, remain unsigned. We've talked a lot about. Craig Kimbrell being unsigned as well. We'll have to see if that cleat drops soon. I I think it's really uh, the writing is on the wall for almost him to go back to the Boston Red Sox after uh, after you see that they've passed on just about every significant potential closer in free agency. It looks like they're just playing a, a wait and see game for Kimbrell to come back there. So if you're drafted today, you really don't know where Kimbrell's going to land. But I think. Good shot that he'll land in Boston, and uh, I would speculate. I would speculate wherever Kimbrel is going to land that he, you know, he's going to be a very good closer. But you know, the Red Sox right now, all they have is Matt Barnes. 
They obviously have a, have a void. Craig Kimbrell doesn't have a team. So I, I think it's a matter of just these these uh, the Red Sox and Craig Kimbrell coming to terms here. Manny Machado, uh, the Yankees would have to move Andahar over to first base if that were to happen. It's a little bit of a surprise to me that a, uh, a guy from Washington Heights uh, has not actually landed with the Yankees officially already. And with Harper, we, you know, we've heard talk most recently about San Francisco, but fantasy players really want to know where these guys are going to land. And then there's lesser names out there like Gio Gonzalez. We've heard Gio Gonzalez most recently linked to the Mets. And I think that would make sense. Uh, you know, right now they have Jason Vargas as their fifth starter. Uh, I think ideally maybe they'd like to have somebody better than Vargas who pitched really well two years ago for the Kansas City Royals, but then uh, you know wasn't nearly as good last year. Ideally, I think the Mets would like to have a better fifth starter. Uh, Gio Gonzalez can certainly help some rotations. Yeah, he's always going to kill your whip in fantasy. He's going to walk some guys, but if they play defense – decent defense behind Gio Gonzalez. He can always post serviceable numbers. Gio Gonzalez uh, has really remade himself over the last few years. No longer has the same velocity on his fastball that he used to, uh, but has kind of remade himself as an off-speed pitcher, uh, trying to improve his control, etc. Trying to Rather than uh, you know blow the ball by batters, you know trying to confuse them, is uh, really worked on uh, you know changing the scope of who he is over the last few seasons, and uh, we we really saw that transition period last year. But Gio's been around for a while. He's a smart pitcher, and uh, you know somebody you at least have to watch in model leagues. So. The uh, Pirates and the Mariners actually reported pitchers and catchers yesterday, and we're going to see uh, a lot more teams reporting today, tomorrow, etc. Fantasy baseball is here. Going to be talking a lot about it, but uh, as you know, RotoExperts.com is now NFL 365 days a year, and uh, that means we're going to be continuing to talk a lot of fantasy football on this podcast. So... Of course, we have to lead with the Kareem Hunt news. Kareem Hunt signing a one-year deal with the Cleveland Browns before he was even disciplined for this off-field incident that was caught on video by TMZ. Already, there's uh, there's been outcry about this uh, from some women's groups, and you can certainly understand uh, and respect uh, their voice. And a lot of people supporting Colin Kaepernick. Very unhappy with the Kareem Hunt signing. Uh, prominent, prominent journalists like Mike Freeman tweeting about this, basically saying that it's okay for him to get away with this offseason. Uh, you know, his words, uh, paraphrasing really, that it's okay for him to get away with what we saw on video, but if he was to kneel like Colin Kaepernick, then basically he would be exiled. Now, Kareem Hunt different in terms of uh, what he can bring on the field to what Colin Kaepernick can bring on the field. But uh, even even after missing, what is it, like two years now, I still believe that Colin Kaepernick could be a better backup NFL quarterback than a lot of what you see out there. Uh, obviously, there's something going on there. Kaepernick was a guy that actually took the 49ers to a Super Bowl, and then after that, his play started trending downward. Just looking at Colin Kaepernick as a player, uh, 
He was he was a great runner and he can make some big plays, but the high percentage throws never really came easy to him. And eventually defenses adjusted to him and he became very, very erratic. But still, he could help a lot of teams as a backup quarterback uh, a few years ago before he was exiled out of the league and, and maybe even now. But it, it looks like it's all over for Colin Kaepernick, but it doesn't look like it's over for Kareem Hunt. Now, you think back to when uh, the video came out on Ray Rice and there was a lot of speculation about whether Ray Rice's NFL career was going to continue or not. And what ultimately happened was is Ray Rice – he was pretty much it. Some teams were thinking it seemed that he was pretty much not as good as he was in his prime, that his play was starting to fall off. So I think the combination of where Ray Rice was in his, in his career track as a player combined with the incident actually uh, led to him never playing an NFL game again. Now you have an instance of where we first heard uh, rumors of Kareem Hunt to the Eagles and it didn't happen, and the Browns actually pulled the trigger quicker than uh, I think anybody expected here. So now he's a Cleveland Brown, and just a lot of talk out there about how performance really trumps character uh, when it comes to the last National Football League. Kareem Hunt is still very young and uh, obviously very fresh in terms of his uh, physicality and ability to produce for an NFL team. So I think a lot of us all assumed that he was eventually going to sign somewhere to have it happen this quickly. I don't think a lot of us uh, expected that. I think that was a little bit of a surprise and a little bit of a shock. Uh, and I think it's also very surprising that the Browns went out to sign him uh, when they have Nick Chubb, who played so well during the second half of last year and a lot of people, including myself, had him ranked as like a top 10 fantasy running back heading into next season. From a fantasy perspective, you have to wonder how this is going to affect Nick Chubb in the long run. Now, the first part is, is that the Browns signed Kareem Hunt before he was even suspended. And we don't know how many games he's going to miss. We've been down this road before with the Ezekiel Elliott suspension, where everybody took their wild guesses on how long he was going to be suspended. And most of us turned out not to be right. Everybody who's been watching football for a while tried to make their educated guesses. But when it comes to these sort of situations, you never, ever know what the league is going to decide. For all we know, he might get four games. For all we know, he might get 12. He might get a full year. What I'm saying is, is, you know, if you're going to go out there and venture to guess how many uh, games a Kareem Hunt is going to miss, just stop it because nobody knows for sure. Nobody is going to know except for inside those doors on Park Avenue when they sit down and make a decision. There's a lot of variables that are going to be taken into account, including how the NFL wants to handle this after a lot of past incidents, incidences have uh, kind of created bad publicity for the league. So don't go out and try to guess how much time Kareem Hunt is going to miss. It's, it's, it's really going to be a waste of time. But the Browns, they were, willing, they were willing to take a chance here. And how will it affect Nick Chubb's fantasy value? Well, it won't immediately. You can look at the quick reaction on uh, rotoexperts.com from our Davis Maddock this morning. 
Davis seems to think that immediately that the Browns are missing a third string running back. They have Chubb at the top of the depth chart. They have Duke Johnson. Uh, then they have Kareem Hunt. That Kareem Hunt is a guy that after he misses all those games, he's going to get back and have to get back into playing shape. He's going to get have to get more familiar with the offense, with his teammates, etc. So it might take a while for him to get reacclimated to uh, playing in the NFL again. But Kareem Hunt is so young and so talented. I actually take a different view on it a little bit than Davis does. Is that the Browns? You know, maybe they spoke to some people here and got some more solid insight on what the league is thinking and how many more games he's going to miss. And uh, I'm just speculating there. I don't know anything for sure, obviously, what I'm recommending you not to guess. But maybe they're looking at Kareem Hunt as a guy that can come in in the second half of next season and really bolster this offense. Uh, He's a better pass catcher out of the backfield than, than Nick Chubb is. And, you know, what does that mean for Duke Johnson? Is is the writing on the wall for Duke Johnson not to be a Cleveland Brown anymore? So, you know, if you have Duke Johnson in the Dynasty League, et cetera, you're wondering. But there's also the possibility, and I've seen this in a lot of published reports, including the Cleveland Plain Dealer, that this will give the opportunity for Duke Johnson to become even more of that satellite back and maybe even more of a pass catcher. They'll use him in the slot, et cetera. But still, I can't see him getting enough consistent touches to make a make a fantasy difference next year. This uh, I was already very skeptical about Duke Johnson going into last season, and obviously this past season uh, took a big hit in production and could be even a bigger hit in production. Now, Nick Chubb, you could probably look at him for as an RB one type for say the first half of the season, and I'm just speculating here like I said I don't know how long Kareem Hunt's going to be suspended you know but then it's probably going to take a game or two or three for Kareem Hunt to probably get in the rhythm but once he's in that rhythm uh, the Browns can really threaten defenses with two outstanding very talented running backs and when I read the Cleveland Plain Dealer yesterday on Cleveland.com and also on the Browns website uh, lead me to think that this could really hurt Nick Chubb's value down the stretch next year because they're talking about having Kareem Hunt as a luxury in a lot of these published reports that I read about when it comes down the stretch next year and the Browns are making that playoff push that they seem to be moving in the direction of, especially when you look at how they finished this past season, you know, with all the enthusiasm about Baker Mayfield that they'll have two outstanding running backs to threaten defenses with, and this will prevent Nick Chubb from getting overworked, uh, getting more exposed to injury. And this is what I was talking about uh, a few days ago with Christian McCaffrey and the Browns wanting to get the, the Panthers wanting to get a better backup for him. Is is that NFL teams don't want to see these these guys get as many carries as the fantasy teams do? They want to prevent. The guys from getting overworked, they would like to have two very good roars to outstanding running backs if if they could and give defenses a two different looks uh, because they're a little bit different in style. Green Hunt's a little bit more versatile than Nick Chubb. And also 
they can keep these running backs fresh throughout the course of a game, and they can continue to wear down defenses in the second half because these these running backs are both of them will continue to come at defenses in different waves, and they'll be more fresh and they'll play they'll play even better maybe in the third and fourth quarters because they are more fresh. And it won't expose either running back to more injuries. So there could be a timeshare down the stretch in Cleveland next year. And, you know, this is going to knock Chubb down a few pegs. I I can't have him as a a top 10 fantasy running back anymore when there's a threat of Kareem Hunt. Now, very soon you're going to see my, uh, my new rankings, early rankings, for 2019 on uh, on RotoExperts.com, along with David Davis Maddock and uh, some other of our writers, and along with a staff consensus, originally I had him eighth, but I'm going to have to adjust this on Fantasy Pros, adjust it on RotoExperts.com, to where I have to bump him out of the top ten, because maybe I'll get RB1 production for him for the first half of the season, but he could be splitting time during the most important weeks of the fantasy season. And maybe I can still depend on him largely from a best ball perspective, but from a week to week kind of uh, kind of outlook, it's going to make things very dicey from the long-term perspective. I think it stunned a lot of people that the Browns naturally, it naturally stunned a lot of people that the Browns were the team to end up with, uh, with with uh, Kareem Hunt, when they already had that standing young running back in place that they liked so much that they traded Carlos Hyde away. But look, it you know they they want to have a lot of talent in that backfield and threaten defenses as much as they possibly can. Uh, so we'll we'll see what happens here. If you know, also he becomes a restricted free agent after next year, so there's a possibility you'll have to think about this too that the Browns maybe want to trade uh, Kareem Hunt at some point. You know, they, they jump on him first, and you'll get a little bit out of him next year, and then, then maybe trade him for something. Because if they do decide to deal him, and, and stranger things have happened, you say, why, do the, why are the Browns going to sign him and then trade him? Uh, it, it does make a lot of sense. You know, they, they have a chip there. They can, uh, they can maybe they're doing something smart here where they wait to see what the suspension is. And, you know, if it's not as heavy if they, if they anticipate, there's a lot of run teams out there could use a starting running back like that. So maybe it's a savvy move by the front office. Either way, uh, you know, Dor- Dorsey, the GM of the, uh, the Browns, has uh, pulled off something very clever here. And Dorsey's a guy here that we've seen. He was the former general manager of the Chiefs, and now he's the general manager of the Browns, obviously. He's willing to give guys second chances. He drafted Tyreek Hill, despite uh, what happened with him in college. He drafted Antonio Callaway, and now he's giving Kareem Hunt a second chance. He said he spoke to Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt is very remorseful, and they're going to have a zero-tolerance policy that he's got to go through all these programs and everything before he's he's able to come back and uh, get back on the playing field. And, you know, Dorsey is one of those guys where he's going to create a lot of controversy in the NFL because, you know, he's going to be marked as, you know, here's a guy with Tyree Kill and Antonio Callaway and now Kareem Hunt 
that he's willing to overlook these off-field transgressions and give these guys a sort of check second chance. So when a lot of people are complaining about this from the perspectives that you expect them to, uh, that, you know, Ken Dorsey is a guy that's going to be in the crosshairs. But, you know, he's willing to go ahead and do it here. But uh, with the Browns, I still expect them to be in the market for maybe another playmaker and wide receiver from an on-field perspective. Uh, obviously, everybody loves Baker Mayfield, and we would like to see the ascension continue. Now they've given him even more support in the backfield over the longer term. Uh, they have a great young tight end in David Njoku. Uh, they have Jarvis Landry had a very, very disappointing season. But if they're able to bring in another playmaker across from him and uh, you know give Landry some help there, maybe we can see Landry up to touchdowns, up to consistency, but uh, these Browns are looking very, very promising from a lot of fantasy perspectives. Uh, when you look at Mayfield, when you look at Landry bouncing back, when you look at Njoku probably improving, and maybe if they don't get anybody else, then Antonio Callaway uh, has, has more of a breakthrough season. And I think you expect Chubb to play very, very well in the first half of the year. But, you know, with Hunt Lumen there late, uh, you know, that that really cuts into his overall outlook in a very obvious way. But look, we have to see what's going to happen discipline-wise before we're going to be able to make any uh, solid estimations as, uh, as, as what's going to happen. All right, the other big news in uh, fantasy football in the NFL is uh, Kyla Murray has said now that he is completely dedicating himself to playing in the NFL, and that he's going to enter the NFL draft. Uh, he's going to give a good chunk of his uh, last year's signing bonus money back to the Oakland A's. The Oakland A's are still going to hold his baseball rights. Kyler Murray will now become the first ever guy, very likely, to ever be drafted in the first round in both Major League Baseball and the National Football League. Uh, the A's uh, coming out publicly and saying that the, they expected this. They knew that they were taking a risk when they drafted Kyler Murray. Uh, they will still hold his rights. He will go on the restricted list. And now the speculation can really begin solidly about where Kyler Murray is drafted. Now, our Davis Maddock, uh, if you want to download his, uh, his spot from this past Sunday on the Roto Experts in the morning show, he said that Kyler Murray is actually his favorite quarterback coming out. And I've seen Kyler Murray going anywhere in mock drafts from within the top 10 to the back end of the first round. But I think now that uh, that teams know for just 100% sure that he is going to play in the NFL, that, that his draft stock is going to go up, and I think he's going to be an easy top 15 pick. I couldn't see him dropping past, say, 13 to Miami or 15 to Washington. And you know the really the big uh, you know, the big question about him is height. And uh, USA Today has already come out and pointed out that a lot of people were worried about Russell Wilson's height when he came when he came out of college when Wisconsin was drafted by the Seahawks. But you know the Seahawks have tuned uh, a very similar offensive set to what he played in college. And if Kyler Murray lands with the right team, that he, you might see the same sort of result in his rookie year. USA Today's uh, making a good point that a lot of teams were kicking themselves for not drafting Russell Wilson, and they don't want the same thing 
Tampa with Kyler Murray, where you're talking about a shorter, more mobile quarterback. Uh, some similarities between the two that uh, when Wilson was coming out of college, that they were worried about his intermediate throws across the middle of the field. Uh, you hear the same thing about about Kyler Murray. And uh, Murray's even shorter than Wilson. So uh, USA Today also indicating that uh, that he's going to be very scrutinized at the combine, etc. But when you look at him on film, there's so much that jumps out to you about Kyler Murray. Uh, you know, really throws a great pinpoint deep ball, uh, great on the RPO, uh, very excellent on the play action, throw it outside the numbers, uh, really, really processes things very quickly as to what's going on on the field and has great mechanics and gets rid of the ball very, very quickly. Uh, there's some worries about his high percentage throws as compared to what he does downfield. There's concerns about durability because of his frame. And uh, like Davis Maddock was saying earlier this week, if you don't put him behind a good offensive line and this kid takes a lot of hits, he could be an injury risk because, uh, you know, he just, you know, he's under 200 pounds. And, you know, if he takes a lot of big hits, you worry about a kid like that. But uh, got some great protection in college and uh, is very, very mobile and, uh, the speed is actually off the charts. When I, wa- when I watch Kyler Murray on film, he reminds me of one of these very explosive wide receivers who just has tremendous separation gear to get away from a defense. When Kyler Murray hits the corner and he gets behind the defense, he could just be gone. You know, this guy is really, really capable of, of some big plays. He reminds me of these smaller John Brown big play type wide receivers where if you get where if he gets the ball and gets behind a defense, he could just be gone from anywhere on the field. And Kyler Murray, you know, you talk to different draft analysts, is is he the top quarterback to come out? Uh, because he's just so dynamic, he can make all the throws and he has a mobility. Uh, I like a lot what I see of Drew Locke. Uh, he's one of my favorites. But you, you have to like a lot what you see with Murray on film. And he's definitely the best fantasy quarterback that's going to come out of this draft. I mean, if you have the number one pick in a rookie draft, how are you going to be able to pass on Kyler Murray knowing the dual kind of threat that he is? Now, we've heard a lot of this, uh, you know, about, you know, these uh, dual threat quarterbacks coming out of college. Are they able to make the high percentage throws at the next level? Uh, we haven't seen that with Lamar Jackson. It was always a problem for Michael Vick. But Kyler Murray, if he gets into the right offense, he gets into the right system, uh, doesn't seem like that, that kind of guy with his decision-making, his, his mechanics, uh, his, just his pure abilities, that you're going to have to worry about uh, you know, him being a very erratic thrower at the, at the next level. Uh, sometimes when he throws a deep ball, he doesn't. Always thrown in the right spot, but it's always in within the catch radius of the wide receiver, it seems. So, uh, lot, very few negatives on Murray. A lot of positives when it just comes to his overall play. Obviously, the one knock on him is his height. Now, the Giants sitting at number six, there's always been, there's already been published reports that the Giants have come out and said that Murray's not our guy. That they want to go with a quarterback more in the traditional sense in terms of height, weight, etc. 
So there's been a lot of speculation. Will another team jump ahead of the Giants and trade up to get Haskins? Or will uh, will the Giants, we just fall in the Giants at six? I'm going to say with the way the quarterback is, is watered down, and these teams are so – some teams are so desperate to really get that that uh, that sort of guy that you could see teams maybe leaping ahead of the Giants to get two quarterbacks. I could see teams leaping ahead to get both Haskins and Kyler Murray, which would uh, – you know, maybe Drew Locke would fall in the Giants at number six. But the Giants are a team themselves that maybe they want to jump up. You know, the Jets – We've talked about them before. They're sitting at that third pick, and they might not get either one of the pass rushers that they want, and then it could trade down. Tampa Bay is also another team that could possibly trade down at number five. So I think if, there's a very good shot, even though the quarterback class is not as good as it was last year, that you could see four quarterbacks going to the top 15 or maybe even the top 13 next year. Somebody's going to trade up to get one or at least two of those guys. So you you figure Haskins will probably go in the top five, and Murray might too. And then the Giants are number six. You know, you see them. You see them maybe at the worst case scenario that Drew Locke will will uh, will fall to them, and then uh, and then maybe there's room for one more quarterback for Denver at number ten. Uh, but then you have the Dolphins sitting at number 13 and the Redskins sitting at number 15 that they're two teams they really want to uh, to get a quarterback, I think, in the first round, especially Miami. You know, we were talking about a Monday with my AFC East preview that, you know, that there's very likely they're going to move on to Ryan for Brian Tannehill. They can clear a lot of salary cap room by doing it. And uh, why not draft their quarterback of the future and start surrounding him with some pieces when you clear somebody in free agency, etc. So it makes a lot of sense. You know, maybe Miami is one of those teams. Uh, Davis Maddock is, was saying that, uh, you know, he doesn't agree with that scenario, that, that he feels that the Dolphins are just wait and see what happens. But, you know, this, this is very much going to be on the fly sort of first round. And the Dolphins may not want to wait if they see two teams trade into the top five or at least another team trade into the top five. They may become one of those two teams to trade into the top five. And, you know, there was already talk about uh, how much John Elway loves Drew Locke. You know, will he have to trade up to get him as well? So it's going to be a very, very interesting first round because there's at least three quarterbacks, I think, when you look at Haskins, when you look at Murray and possibly even Locke, that these guys could all go – within the top six or so in a very extreme sort of scenario. And then when you got Denver sitting at 13, uh, you have Miami sitting at 13, and you have Washington sitting at 15, that it's going to be a very, very interesting first round. I think I think there's going to be uh, a lot of excitement within the top half of the first round, you know, related to, related to these quarterbacks. Uh, I saw one mock draft when Kyler Murray was actually going to the end of the first round to the New England Patriots. I I just don't think uh, that that he's going to last that long now that we've heard that he's fully committed to football. So Kyler Murray generating a lot of excitement here. Uh, going to be a top pick in the rookie draft. 
no matter where he lands. Uh, probably not going to be the Giants, as uh, as we just indicated. But uh, does Jacksonville really want to go up and get a, get a guy like that? Would uh, would Top Coughlin be comfortable with a guy like like Kyler Murray? Uh, I, I think the best fit for Kyler Murray of all these teams that are going to uh, to possibly be in the mix for him will probably be Miami uh, because they can build around him. He can instantly put a jolt in the offense. He can instantly put a jolt into the fan base. A lot of excitement surrounding him. And uh, if they improve the offensive line around him as well, you know, that's something that they, they, they have to do in Miami is improve the blocking. But uh, just from, from, from a terms of, you know, looking at a long-range sort of view, uh, you know, Kyla Murray would bring a lot of hope to Miami, something that they haven't had in a long time. Uh, Denver would be very, very interesting as well because I think they're missing that one-piece quarterback and they have two very young wide receivers that uh, Kyla, Kyla Murray can come in and work with right away. But I, I, would, I would love to see Drew Locke drop to number 10 because uh, I just love the deep ball that he throws. And working with those two young wide receivers, I think Drew Locke could be very, very exciting at number 10. So I'd kind of like to see Locke go to Denver at number 10 and maybe Murray to the Dolphins at number 13, or they trade up to get him. Uh, you know, that's a long-suffering fan base. I've I've talked about the Jets, but the Dolphins haven't had a good quarterback or anything to be excited about at the quarterback position since Dan Marino. You could argue that their best quarterback since Dan Marino was Chad Pennington. So Kyler Murray, they have to surround him with some pieces if they're going to do this. But he could come in and instantly galvanize that team, galvanize that fan base, and... You know, I think I think it's a guy who, if he doesn't have too many playmakers uh, coming out of the gate right away, you could probably see him run a lot. I think I think there's a lot of talk out there, conjecture that Kyler Murray could come in and really change the outlook of a team right away. And uh, if you know that the Dolphins are a team that they're missing so much on offense that they could use a guy like Kyler Murray to really come in and change the scope of just everything that they do. Like I've been saying all week, uh, they do have two running backs that could uh, certainly help him out. Uh, Kenyon Drake and Kyler Murray would work very, very well together. And then I think they'd have to probably uh, sign a big-name free agent and wide receiver. You know, maybe they did it if, they, if they get a Golden Tate and then they get another wide receiver in the draft as well. Uh, you know, maybe Kyler Murray's playing in Miami, and all of a sudden, for the first time since the Marino days, uh, you know, people down in South Florida can wear the jersey of a quarterback with respect and with pride. So uh, I think it'd be a very interesting landing spot for him. All right, we'll be talking more fantasy baseball tomorrow. As I said, I have a mock draft on Wednesday night, and we'll start breaking that down. Uh, and a lot more baseball news obviously coming with spring training starting. Thanks for listening to the Roto Experts, and we'll see you tomorrow.